If this is your first time getting to know me, Deb Coviello is a biomedical engineer by education. I've always been a quality process improvement professional throughout my career in various industries from telecom to flavors and fragrance and always in the operations environment. And I have been grateful for the opportunities and the successes and being able to climb the corporate ladder. And that speaks to the CEO compass, my framework for helping to solve problems and getting back on track. And I will say the compass points of people and process and tools and platform are what got me ahead and I gained so much success. However, what got me here from the past may not get me where I want to go in the future. And I found great joy now in elevating people and being a management leadership coach. And then I got to interview Gina. Gina talks also about being a STEM professional and then coming to a point and realizing it wasn't right. And so often people will stick with something because that's what they've always done. But do you have the courage to even recognize that maybe you're meant to do something different or it's time for a change? Let's listen. I definitely believe looking back, there was a disconnect for me from the tasks I was accomplishing and the way that my results permeated through the rest of the company. I never knew what happened when I was done with my work. It was very disjointed and I felt very isolated. Mm -hmm. And for a STEM professional, when they are dissatisfied or when they're unhappy and they can't quite put their finger on it, and if they go home and talk to their family or friends about it and they say, you know, I'm just I'm not happy at work and the paycheck's good and and the job is stable, but I'm just not satisfied. And when they get the response from family or friends, hey, what do you have to be unhappy about? You work for a great company. You make great money. What do you possibly have to be unhappy about? Boy, that just turns the knife even more because other people cannot identify with your situation. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful that you've joined us today for another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast, where I speak to amazing leaders and they get to share their insights with you. If you like this program, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I'd also like to make you this offer, the CEO's Compass, my approach to getting leaders back on track who are going through rapid change, as well as elevating their teams and leaving a lasting impact. For more information about my consulting services, please reach out to me at dropinceo.com and let's start a conversation. And I am now honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Gina Covarubias. Gina is a certified life coach. She has a BS in 
Aeronautical and Astronautical Engineering from Purdue University and a Master's in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Utah. Her distinctive background blends life coaching experience with 12 plus years of engineering technology experience in government, academia, and corporate aerospace. She founded Deliberate Doing LLC, an exclusive STEM coaching service dedicated to helping technical professionals defeat career despair. Her mission is twofold. She solves the common STEM problem, where do I go from here, while promoting humanness within the human. And when STEM professionals question previous choices and fear an unknown future, Gina helps them recalibrate their situation for successful future. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I got super excited. We have a mutual friend, colleague, I don't know, maybe troublemaker or something, Neil Thompson, (laughs) another STEM professional, has an amazing podcast. And he just said, there's something about Gina, something about Deb. I know they're going to have a great conversation and we have, and we will. So we're going to bring it live to our audience. I would love for you to share something about yourself personally, your journey, and the purposeful work that you're doing now. Thank you, Deb. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate Neil. And I'm glad that you brought me on today. I will be as honest and as authentic as I can be with your questions, even if it feels vulnerable. That's what this is all about, right? So about my journey, I had always wanted to work in the aerospace industry when I was a child and planes and space travel, all that really excited me. So there was no doubt in my mind what I was going to go to school and study. I'm a first-generation college graduate, so I didn't have a college fund waiting for me. My parents didn't really talk to me about college because my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my father was an electrician at the steel mill for his whole life until he retired, and they supported me as much as they could. But when it came to college, I was the one who initiated it, and I was kind of on my own when it came to the journey of applying and picking classes and going through all that sort of thing. So I did all the things, Deb, that I thought I was supposed to do, which was go to school, study hard, get good grades, hopefully get an internship if possible, and then go out into the world and start working, make an impact, and live happily ever after. I thought that's the way it was supposed to work. So here I am graduating from college with my bachelor's, worked my butt off. It took me eight years to graduate, by the way, because I went part-time for a number of years because I worked to earn money to pay for school and I lived at home as long as I could to save money. And so that journey was not an easy one and the curriculum was not an easy one. And by the time I graduated, I thought, wow, this is such a huge accomplishment for me. I can't believe I actually got here. And I, boy, I'm going to say it out loud, Deb, but I felt entitled to a damn good job. And I was ready for somebody to hire me. And I was ready to kick back and take it easy. I just assumed all the hard work was done and that I was just going to go out and collect a paycheck and live happily ever after. Boy, was I wrong. I was in for a surprise. So I had never thought that I was going to derail from my engineering journey. 
I thought this is going to be it forever. I'm going to retire as an engineer. And it didn't quite work that way, Deb. I started working and boy, did I have to learn a lot of things the hard way. I learned that the hard work was not over with just because I graduated from college. I learned that there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I learned that there was no rainbow. I learned that there is really, for most people, no such thing as a dream job. I learned that I was not entitled to a dream job. And I learned a lot about human behavior working in the corporate world. Most of my experiences in corporate, I did work in academia for a number of years, as well as the government for a couple of months. And I was always an observer of people. So going back to your question about my journey, I'll just be straight up, Deb. When I graduated with my master's degree in mechanical engineering, that was about four years after my bachelor's. You would think that I would have been happy and ready to hit the ground running. And I couldn't have been more depressed at that time in my life. I knew I did not want to be an engineer. And it took me a couple years worth of work experience to figure that out. It just so happened during that work experience, I was working on my master's in engineering. So by the time I was done with the master's, because I was doing it part-time, I realized, oh my gosh, I don't want to be an engineer. I just don't. I really, really don't. And then here I was with a master's in mechanical engineering. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm stuck. Like, what are my options here? So I'm curious because we could go back and forth because I think anybody, regardless of their profession, whether they're a STEM, science, technology, engineering, et cetera, can hit those points in their career. What am I doing here? And question what they've done. For you, however, was it, I didn't want to be an engineer or was it, well, I like engineering, but the work that I'm doing, I'm not satisfied. I'm stuck. Is there something more about that? Because I, I'm wondering if people and get to this place of frustration, disappointment, disenchanted, whatever the dis is, it's not engineering that's for me. Or is there something else about the situation that made the engineering experience not what you expected it to be? As far as my expectations in engineering, I didn't have any because I didn't know what to expect. So I really didn't have an expectation other than it's going to make me happy. That was my expectation. But to answer your question, looking back, the reason I was so unsatisfied, and I believe today the reason so many STEM professionals are dissatisfied with their work, is because of the huge disconnect between college and the curriculum and the things you do in school versus the actual day-to-day task in the job. You know, I can agree with that because, again, I too, for those that don't know me, I'm a biomedical engineer. I was fortunate, however, to graduate at a time when there were a lot of jobs. And so you got a job, you got a few job offers in engineering, and the pay potentially is very rewarding. And so you do that for a few years, and it can be rewarding. If you're supported, I come from the angle of I could have continued as an engineer and brought home a paycheck and had some form of stability. But I'll tell you also somewhere along the way, 
while it was stable, it wasn't satisfying. And so I'm wondering, were there times where you did the work, it was a paycheck, but like you said, it wasn't satisfying. I'm curious, like what wasn't satisfying for you? And then what did you start doing about it? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you for asking that. I did the work. I did what I was supposed to do. And at the end of the day, I would come home and think to myself, who cares? So what if I accomplished A, B, and C? Like it didn't matter to me at the end of the day. I didn't see results and I didn't feel like I was making an impact. So I think for me, that was very difficult to wrap my mind around. And so I'd love to go here a little bit further. Was it the situation? Could it have been engineering just wasn't for you? Or was there a lack of connection to what the team, the organization, or the business was doing? Because I'll find people, professionals in operations, technical people, not satisfied because you're right. It becomes just a task, a report, a project with no context or connectivity to the rest of the organization. What have you seen or what do you think? I definitely believe looking back, there was a disconnect for me from the tasks I was accomplishing and the way that my results permeated through the rest of the company. I never knew what happened when I was done with my work. It was very disjointed and I felt very isolated. Mm -hmm. And for a STEM professional, when they are dissatisfied or when they're unhappy and they can't quite put their finger on it, and if they go home and talk to their family or friends about it and they say, you know, I'm just, I'm not happy at work and the paycheck's good and, and the job is stable, but I'm just not satisfied. And when they get the response from family or friends, hey, what do you have to be unhappy about? You work for a great company. You make great money. What do you possibly have to be unhappy about? Boy, that just turns the knife even more because other people cannot identify with your situation. So the individual who has arrived at the point where you also arrived and said, something's got to change. I'm stuck. I'm not satisfied. I'm wondering, the people that you have served, is it that they need to change in some way or do they need to change the environment? What have you seen most typically or how have you helped them? Because change, something has to change. It's them or the situation. Great question. Most people want to change their circumstances. So they will go find another job or they'll go back to school and get another degree or they'll take additional training. And that was me at one point, by the way. I thought, you know what? If I go get my MBA, that's going to be my answer. That's my solution. That's what I need to do. So to get back to your question, most people want to change the circumstance. It's very easy to point the finger at the boss or the employer or the environment and say, this is making me unhappy or that's the reason I'm unhappy. As a life coach, what I teach them is that that's not the way the world works. It's actually the opposite. You have to work on you and you have to work on your internal beliefs first before you can go out and find that greatness that you're looking for. There's something so profound in what you're saying, and I can relate from a personal example. So I, too, coming up in my career, 30, 35 years old, doing pretty well, again, in operations, 
Lean Six Sigma black belt, leveraging my technical expertise along the way. And then I asked who I thought was a mentor. I said, so what next? What do I need to do to get ahead? Because I lean towards, yes, there's personal accountability, but I also look to the environment. And they said, you need to get your MBA. That's what you need. That's what I told my son. You need your MBA on top of that engineering degree in order to get ahead. Now, Sound advice, never got the NBA. I'm taking care of with a spouse, three children at home, plus a good engineering job. Never followed that advice. And so I wonder, yes, maybe I could have done that, but I'm wondering if that really would have gotten me ahead to what I wanted to do, you know, higher job, higher title. Would that really have made me happier in the work that I'm doing? So Having a support system, having a coach, having a mentor, somebody to ask those hard questions about, well, what do you think? Where can you make the change? Where do you have personal accountability is sometimes probably more important than somebody saying, get an MBA, take this course, fix yourself, take this class. (laughs) Exactly, Deb, because what happens is when the person is trying to change the circumstances around them so that they could feel better. They keep taking the same mentality with them to every job or to every opportunity. And therefore, unless they clean up their mentality or get a mental reboot, which is what I do with my folks, then they're going to keep finding things that are wrong no matter where they go. I love the work that you talk about. I too have crossed that path. And as I look at organizations and where do we need to make course corrections. Sometimes there are exceptionally talented people in the organization, but their mindset is not in the right place. And nobody has asked them the questions about what holds you back. What can you control? What are your strengths? What are the strengths in other people? Nobody has those questions. That's why I particularly talk to CEOs and senior business leaders. While an individual has accountability for their performance, how they feel about themselves and their personal development. But I also speak to the leaders in the organization. As you're looking at those technical people coming up, technically they serve you, but are they whole? Are they growing? Do they think for themselves? What is their mindset? So I also speak to senior leaders to have just a little bit of accountability for helping the technical leaders coming up through the ranks. Yeah, that is so important. It's funny how in our society, If you do good at your job, you may be promoted to become a leader or a supervisor, yet you have no training on how to lead people. It's just amazing how often that happens in our society. And especially for technical leaders, we embrace them for being the great engineers and technical leaders. They deliver the products and services that we so depend on it. And to your point, we elevate them and we don't give them the essential skills. So we need to tackle this problem from the individual development perspective, as well as senior leadership, equipping them also with the opportunities to develop to their fullest. And let's be honest, Deb. Okay, we're both engineers, so we can say this out loud. Engineers are a little quirky, right? They're kind of their own breed. And engineers in general are not exactly known for having emotional and people skills. So when you promote them and you make them a leader and you don't train them on what it means to be a leader, I mean, that's the disaster waiting to happen. And so honestly, I'm a believer that before you can lead other people, you have got to know how to lead yourself. 
Oh, gosh, that was a home run for me there because I have a human-centric leadership class that I offer to leaders and individuals because for the highly aware engineer or individual, they know something's missing. They know they're off track. So I do do coaching and mentoring in that area, but I'd love to switch this up a little bit. You do a lot of writing. You wrote a blog back in February and one of them, number 42, people got to check this one out, career passion, a thing of the past. Now, come on, passion? thing of the past. That's so disheartening here. Tell me more about that. (laughs) It is disheartening, but it's true, Deb. People come to me and they say, I've been in my job 10, 15 years and I just lost my passion. Like, I don't know where it is. Like just disappeared. It's gone. I don't have it anymore. It's a very common theme. And hence I had to write a blog post about it because people falsely believe And I think this starts back when we're students in college. We falsely believe that if we pursue our passion, we're going to be happy. And if we pursue our passion, then not only are we going to have the money and the benefits and the prestige, but we're going to have the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. And so what I have to teach people is sometimes and oftentimes Passion is not found in your job or in your career. And that's the truth. And I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago. So therefore, what you need to do is balance your personal life with the professional life and figure out how to satisfy your passions through both avenues. So let's talk to you about that. Professionally, you're an engineer. What's your passion and how have you been able to bring both worlds together? As an engineer, I would say I was probably more so disappointed than happy with the way my career turned out. And again, I think a lot of it was due to that disconnect between the college curriculum and the day-to-day in industry. Although I met many wonderful people and saw really cool things in my days, but as an engineer, I just couldn't find that satisfaction. And I was one of those engineers who said, I don't have a passion anymore. It's, it's gone. It's, it's left me. And that's what I thought. And I blamed it on the environment. I blamed it on the circumstances and so on. I actually fell into such a deep depression. It was about 10 years ago. My health just tanked. I went from feeling great and healthy and taking care of myself to going on disability for like almost two years. And I was out of work during that time. And that really, again, I blamed it on my career. I blamed it on the stress that I was going through due to my career and because of the fact that I was so unhappy. And it took me a long time to recover. But when I did, I felt like I had been given a second chance. And so when I got back to work and I started doing my things at work, I just decided one day I'm more capable than this. There's something else I need to be doing with my life. I can feel it. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it's called, but it's not this. And so I left. One thing led to another. And then I started my life coaching business. And you're definitely very, very, very passionate about that. And it's a beautiful thing when you have the opportunity, whether it's a straight journey or a circuitous one that you eventually get there. I too will share with people. I mean, I love manufacturing. I love being able to turn nothing into something, I would say I did enjoy quite a bit. But then after a while, 
later in my career, when there was a disconnect between the work I really wanted to do, I found that helping people, similar to what you're doing, giving them the essential skills that they didn't have, that they didn't get from the curriculum, they didn't get from previous bosses or the environment, just having the confidence to ask for something, knowing how to articulate a problem statement and being able to explain the risk and impact to help others. I started surrounding myself with people much smarter than me, engineers and technical people smarter than me. And the greatest thing I could do was elevate them, help them to achieve their highest level of performance, and then also writing and speaking and presenting and training and coaching. So later in life, loved being the engineer was my foundation. That passion and purposeful work can come later. You just have to be open to see it and then the courage to pursue it. And so that's where a lot of people I saw in my day got stuck. Mm-hmm. They didn't have courage to pursue anything else because they were established. They had a family. They didn't want to get up and move and take any risks because heaven forbid you get up and move your family for another job and it didn't work out. So what I saw, Deb, in the corporate world was that a lot of people settled. And they would come into work and they might do the minimum. They might do a little bit more. Were they thrilled and satisfied? No, but it paid the bills. So it's a double-edged sword being an engineer. You have the opportunity to have a very good income and be able to enjoy a decent lifestyle. It's possible on an engineer's or technical leader's salary. But I want to get a little bit more specific here because, again, it's a beautiful profession I'd love to understand how anybody that you have interfaced with, an individual that was stuck, STEM professional, knew there was something different that they needed to pursue. What was the issue that you needed to help them through and how did that transform and what direction did they go in after you spent some time with them? So I will give you the secret, Deb. All roads lead to Rome. Okay, that's what I like to tell people. To answer your question quickly, What everybody suffers from that I interface with, when it comes down to it at the very end of the day, Deb, is self-worth and self-confidence. So it's very easy, once again, to point the finger and blame the circumstance, blame the employer, blame the coworkers or the boss. But then what I do is I force people to look inside and to really face who they are. And then they start finding things that they don't like about themselves. Okay, and that's my job is to bring these things up in an unbiased, very safe environment because I don't judge. That's not my purpose or function as a life coach. My job is to show people who they really are and to show them what they're thinking so that they understand how their mentality affects the rest of their life. And once they start realizing, oh, I don't like that about myself or I want to change my beliefs, I want to change that attitude. Then I work with them over time like a personal trainer to build new muscle in their brain so that they could think differently to produce better results for themselves. So ultimately, Deb, it comes down to self-worth. I agree. (laughs) I have (laughs) mentored two individuals and one individual STEM professional, highly talented, super, super smart person, two degrees and and a beautiful person. And one of the things was she was highly successful in a previous role in engineering. 
the environment changed. She no longer felt successful. And while we started breaking apart the situation, one of the things she said that was the most profound thing is if I could just find my confidence again, the rest would be easy. So to your point, we would unpack, well, what changed that they lost their confidence because at one time they had it. And ultimately, we peeled back the layers. They started feeling comfortable about themselves. They started showing up in a different way. They kept the engineering job because that's what they want. But they personally changed. They eventually decided to leave that job because they said, I have the power and the control to change my circumstance. Now, I think they're going to stay a STEM professional, but they had got the courage to speak up and then make a significant difference. So that is such a great example. Most of the people I've interfaced with, they come to me for help with their career. And then once they start coaching with me, they realize, oh, it's not my career that's the problem. It's actually me. And they usually end up staying in engineering. Even though they come to me and they're like, I don't know if it's right for me. I'm thinking of changing, but I don't know. So it's amazing how that happens. So I'd love to talk about some of the people that speak highly of you. Testimonials are always a great source, and I would love to know a little bit about this relationship. So let's just call this person Jacob. Okay. (laughs) And one of he says, one of the key takeaways from our sessions was that sometimes we hold ourselves back because the brain is trying to maintain the status quo and that we may need to unlearn what we've learned before we are able to move forward and also the ability to embrace negative feelings and learning to understand ourselves and turn the change on ourselves. So tell us a little bit about that relationship and what ultimately happened with that person that trusted you with their career. (laughs) So that person is talking about the motivational triad. Okay, so our brains were designed to avoid pain and to seek pleasure and to be efficient to use the least amount of energy as possible. And that worked very well back in the day when we were cavemen and cavewomen. Today, the motivational triad gets in the way when we want to pursue something that we haven't done before, when we want to think outside the box, when we want to try something that the brain has never seen before and it says, whoa, 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 I don't know anything about this. We need to go back. We need to go back to where we're comfortable. And so this person realized, oh, it's just my brain trying to keep me safe. That's why I feel fear. It's just trying to keep me alive. And so what I taught is that you have to use your prefrontal cortex, our human brain, to override the primitive brain in order to move forward, to grow, to pursue challenges. Because if we never did that as a human species, we would be stagnant. One of the things I say to people, again, you and I could talk for hours, and it's hard because I've held myself back. And then once you somehow, by choice or by circumstance, have the opportunity to say, rather than I can't, I shouldn't, I've never done that before, but simply say, I can, I will, I'm able, I'll just figure it out. Or I sometimes tell people, well, yes, it's risky. You're afraid. You've never done this before. But think about what it looks like if you actually succeeded. And that puts people in a completely different mindset if you can ask different questions. And I wish for every engineer, STEM professional out there, find somebody in your network, professional organization, Gina or other people like yourself, find somebody to ask you questions, not tell you what to do. Ask the right 
questions. That may be the key to what's missing for you if you're listening to this. Exactly, exactly, Deb. And I would take it one step further. And I would say a really great quality to have as a leader is to know when to ask the right questions. And instead of telling people what to do, lead them down a path so that they could discover the answer for themselves in a safe psychological environment. See that your work is, it could potentially be really helpful. And I know that you target and are speaking to the person who's stuck in their career. And I don't think it has to be just for STEM professionals, but you have a unique understanding about what they've gone through and how they're feeling. But you could talk to anybody that is stuck and is just not sure what that is and where they need to go. But I also think whoever's listening to this conversation, if you're a leader, a technical leader, you need to look at the people in your organization and not to say that you haven't been successful trying to get your people to think for yourself. But if you need some help, meaning just the capacity, partner with somebody who can spend some time with your highly technical people, invest in them before they become an expense and you lose them. Bringing in a person like Gina or myself, depending on who you like, you might want to think a little bit differently about being a leader for your people and helping them to achieve their potential and maybe find their passion in the work that they're doing. That is a great point, Deb. And I would love to see corporations and employers moving toward hiring mentors and coaches who can come in and ask leaders and ask the employees insightful questions, once again, to help them understand what the right answer is for themselves. It's such a powerful practice. And I think coaching has really taken off in the last few years, particularly life coaching in the last year because of COVID. But I would love to see employers embrace that practice more because I feel like it's so powerful and it's so efficient. And not just for the senior executive. And yes, we should invest in them because they are leading the organization by pairing them up with an executive coach. But think about your people. They are the ones closest to your clients, your customers, going through the rank and file of trying to produce. They too need that coaching or mentorship. So just think about bringing partners like Gina or myself into the organization. Your people deserve it. And we want to do them a service because they need to achieve their potential either within engineering and science or maybe a different pursuit. So this has been an amazing conversation. Again, I am grateful for the network, the introductions, to find a kindred spirit here. We could go on and on. We can. Yes, we can, Deb. (laughs) Is there a closing thought that you want to leave with the people that are listening to this conversation to think about and maybe act and do something different? Yes, my closing thought I would like to share is don't make the same mistake I made. If you are unhappy, if you're unsure what to do next, if you are blaming your circumstances and you think getting a new job or a new degree is the answer, I am here to tell you that is probably not going to work long term. That's more of a band-aid. I would highly encourage you to look inside, take a look at yourself. That's what people like me and Deb help you do. We help force you to answer questions that you would never think to ask yourself. And it's very, very powerful. It's a great window to your soul. So don't make the same mistake I made. Don't suffer at your job. You don't have to. I so believe that. I've had somebody cry 
when we were talking about them thinking about what's holding them back. And just know that if you're listening to this, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to hold back anymore. Find out what you're truly capable of. And Gina, amazing conversation. How can people get a hold of you if they want to connect with you? Thank you once again. I have a website, deliberatedoing.com. I always offer two free coaching sessions up front to anybody who is interested. It doesn't matter if you're working or not. It doesn't matter your status. As you said a few moments ago, I could help really anybody through anything. As long as you have a human brain, I can help you. I offer two free sessions of coaching. Let me know if you're interested. If not, I have plenty of free content on my website. I have videos, recorded webinars, and I have a career blog. So please take advantage of all of that and let me know how I can help you. Absolutely. You've been an amazing guest, Gina. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. There's so many people out there that can use your services. Thank you, Deb. I wish you continued success and thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you thank so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.